Thank you, guys. Thank y'all so much. Okay, well, Britt is in the back. He's being your sound guy today. So that's my husband. We will have been married 23 years at the end of this year. So 22 and a half and coming up on, uh, we got engaged in July. So um, <laughs> it's kind of a funny story. We were doing, we're snapping beans and canning beans. And so we were super excited. I don't know why we were doing that as an engaged couple and super excited about it, but you know, I'm in Kentucky, y'all get it, okay? And so I was snapping beans and doing up a whole bunch of beans and Britt called his parents and was like, we wanna show you something so exciting. Now, they thought we had gotten engaged, but really we had just done like two runs of beans. So, <laughs> but we did get engaged shortly thereafter. And then um, our oldest son, William, he, is, uh, he had to work last night till about 11 o'clock. So he's not here, he's 17. Um, he's got one more year of high school and then he'll be off to conquer the world. You know, when you're 17, right? You you're ready to conquer the world. And so that's what he's ready to do. But um, I do have Cora here with me today. Cora, say hello. Hi. Tell them how old you are. I'm 14 years old. So when you were, she was here last, it was 2017, so almost six years ago. She, she's itty bitty. And then Nate. Hi. Yeah. And how old are you? I'm 13. 13. All right, that's all you have to do. That's it. That's all they have to do. That, I think that's probably one of the first times they've ever had to do that, isn't it? Yeah. They usually like to just sit quietly by themselves. <laughs> And they're in that super awesome, awkward teenage year where I think they don't know what quite to say. Right? You want me to tell stories on you? <laughs> sure. Let's do this instead. Let's just open up in prayer. Lord God, it is such an honor and a privilege to get to serve you in this way. This, I don't deserve, and Lord Jesus, um, but you are worthy of having your name proclaimed every day, not just on Sunday mornings, but every day in every way possible that I can think to just tell the entire world about the goodness and the greatness of my Savior. Help me to do it well today, Lord Jesus. Help me to do it well. Help me to do it in a way that you are honored and I am nothing. You know, I don't care if they remember anything I say, but Lord Jesus, I just pray that they know what you say and how you make them feel and how you are here to inspire them, to heal them, to correct us sometimes, sometimes to make us laugh. But whatever you do today, Lord Jesus, help me to do it um, as an honorable and faithful servant in Jesus' name, that your name would be glorified in Vanceburg, Kentucky, in Jesus' name, amen. So I was remembering, well, first of all, I just wanna say thank you to pastors Ben and, and Leslie and, and Albie and Dusty. <laughs> they put us up last night, bless their hearts. I don't think they knew what they were getting into. I was throwing eggs in the floor this morning. We're a hot mess. When we come, we are a hot mess. The last time we were here, Cora may or may not have ripped down somebody's mantle from their um, brick fireplace. <laughs> Like, as we were walking out the door, we were like, it's so good to hang out with you. And Cora was like, watch this. And she brought down their mantle. And we were like, oh, awesome. We'll pay for that. Anyways, and then today I threw all the eggs in the floor. And, I mean, we've just been a hot mess. So when we come, ta-da, toot, toot, hot mess express. So 
We definitely appreciate all you guys putting us up and letting us speak and share. I'm going to try and keep it, keep it down to a minimum. I know everybody's ready to get out in this beautiful weather. Um, but I just wanted to kind of share with you, I know that you guys have been going through uh, Solomon's life and kind of the rise and fall. Pastor Ben was telling me about that. And so I got started thinking about, well, what do I want to share and how do I want to share that? And um, I just, I thought, you know, the book of Ecclesiastes, ha have you guys read the book of Ecclesiastes? If you have, yeah, okay, so a few of you have read Ecclesiastes. It is like one of the most, if, if you've heard that bird song, to everything, turn, 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 anybody's heard that? Am I the only one that's not? Okay, yeah, they're all spiritual. My mother was not, and she had that Birds album record that I played, and that's how I learned my scripture. Just kidding. So <laughs> I played it for Cora the other day. She's like, we had to memorize this as a scripture at school. And I was like, I listened to the birds sing it. <laughs> so anyways, I was listening and going through the whole book of Ecclesiastes and just kind of taking it in and, and thinking about the meaning of it, and if you open up in your Bibles to the book of Ecclesiastes, which you guys all brought, just kidding, most people don't anymore, they have their phones, and that's fine, you can use your phone, or you can use the overhead, or however, I laugh because I didn't give this to him for an overhead, so it starts out with, these are the words of the teacher, King David's son, who ruled in Jerusalem. It doesn't expressly say that these are Solomon's words, but he was the king and he was David's son. So putting two, to do, two together is probably Solomon, right? He says, everything is meaningless, says the teacher, completely meaningless. What do people get for all their hard work under the sun? Generations come, generations go, the earth never changes. The sun rises, the sun sets, and then it hurries around to rise again. The wind blows south, but then it turns north. Around and round it goes, blowing in circles. Rivers run into the sea, but the sea is never full. Then the waters return again to the rivers and flow out again to the sea, and everything is wearisome beyond description. He needs a Xanax. I'm just kidding. No matter how much we see, we are never satisfied. No matter how much we hear, we are not content. History merely repeats itself. It has all been done before. Nothing under the sun is truly new. Sometimes people will say, here's something new. I think that's like most people who have an apple, but it's not. Actually, it's old. Nothing is ever truly new. We don't remember what happened in the past. And in future generations, no one will remember what we are doing now. And it goes on like that for about 11 more chapters. And then you get to chapter 12, and it says, Don't let the excitement of youth cause you to what? This is verse 1 of chapter 12. Don't let it cause you to forget your creator. Honor him in your youth before you grow old and say, Life isn't pleasant anymore. Remember him before the light of the sun, moon, and stars is dim to your old eyes, and rain clouds continually darken your sky. Remember him before your legs... The guards of your house start to tremble, and before your shoulders, the strong men stoop. Remember him before your teeth, your few <laughs> remaining servants stop grinding. And before your eyes, the women looking through the windows see dimly. 
remember him before the door to life's opportunities is closed and the sound of work fades. Now you rise at the first chirping of the birds, but then all their sounds will grow faint. Remember him before you become fearful of falling and worry about danger in the streets, before your hair turns white like an almond tree in bloom and you drag along without energy like a dying grasshopper <laughs> and the caperberry no longer inspires your sexual desire. I don't know about all that. Remember him before you near the grave, your everlasting home, when the mourners will weep at your funeral. Yes, remember your creator now while you're young, before the silver cord of your life snaps and the golden bowl is broken. Don't wait until the water jar is smashed at the spring and the pulley is broken at the well, for then the dust will return to the earth and the spirit will return to God who gave it. Everything is meaningless, says the teacher, completely me meaningless. Keep this in mind. The teacher was considered wise, and he taught people everything he knew. He listened carefully to many proverbs, studying and classifying them. The teacher sought to find just the right words to express truths clearly. The words of the wise are like cattle prods, painful but helpful. Their collected sayings are like a nail-studded stick, in which a shepherd drives the sheep. But my child... Let me give you some further advice. Be careful for writing books is endless and much study wears you out. That's the whole story. Now here is my final words and conclusion. Fear God, obey his command, for this is everyone's duty. God will judge us for everything we do, even every secret thing, whether good or bad. So, one. <laughs> Sorry. Sorry. So what we see Solomon telling us over and over and over and over again is what do we remember? What do we need to remember? Somebody's got the hiccups. And they are cute. You know, um, I work at the Smoky Mountain Dream Center. And when we first drove up here, probably in 2017, it was about October, and I remember coming up here, and I didn't know squat from squat. I, all I knew is that God had put inside of me this dream. And I had seen, like, I grew up in Appalachia. I grew up in western North Carolina, one county over from where I serve right now. And, yes, we do live in Dolly country. Um, we love her. We think she's wonderful. We love our Dolly. Um, and that's exactly where I was just kind of born and raised and grew up. And my family has been there since it was a molten mass of lava um, and we just kind of came out, out, out of the ground. I'm just kidding. That's not how it works. <laughs> um, but we've been there forever and ever since it was land grant. Um, and it just seems like, um, I don't know, God just put in my heart. He showed me one day what it was is I was sitting across from a 12-year-old little girl. And I had been working with her aunt inside of jail. And when the aunt got out of jail... She came with her aunt because her mom had already OD'd on something. And so she said, while my aunt was in jail, I was living with my dad. And my dad and his buddies did all this stuff to me while she was there. And if you don't give me Jesus, I don't think I can make it. And I was like, well, of course I can give you Jesus. Jesus wants <laughs> you, you know. And she said, but before you do that, would you please tell me where Jesus was when my dad was doing all that to me? And I didn't have a really good answer for that. I mean, it was a Sunday school 
type answer, all things work really good. You can't say that to a 12-year-old who's just told you that. I mean, it's, it's not enough. It feels so not enough. And so uh, I said, honey, can I just pray and ask the Lord that question, and then I'll come back and I'll tell you what he says. And he said, yeah, and, or she said, yeah, and I said, okay. So I get in the truck, I'm driving home, and I'm just crying, and I'm just brokenhearted. And I was like, Lord, where were you when that was happening to her? And he said, well, Emily, he said, I'm inside of you, and you sit on a church pew every week. You have to build walls of safety around them like Nehemiah did. I'll be like Ezra and rebuild my temple inside of their heart. But until there are walls of safety around them, then the enemy can just come in and destroy those temples. You know, he can just come in and walk all over them and kill and steal and continue to destroy. But my people are supposed to come shoulder to shoulder and rebuild walls of safety around these people. And I thought, oh, oh. And that was about the last week that I was able to sit as the associate pastor of a whole bunch of chickens who I fed every week but just got to be big fat chickens but like they weren't doing anything with it it's just it was seed that I was scattering you know the word of God but nobody was doing anything with it in the church so I was like including myself like I would come and I would hear like just like Pastor Ben I just sit and listen and it was good and it was mighty and it was powerful and it was awesome but I was all about it for me. Like, what can I get out of this sermon? What can I, you know, what is he feeding me? And the Lord was like, that's not why you're there at all. He is the pastor that I had at the time. I don't know if you know um, Stephen and Latanya Kimry. They are related to Janice Fulkerson. And so they came out of Harlan. Um, long story short, we're all related. Um, because we're all Appalachian, but I was in their church, and he would feed me and feed me and feed me, and I was just turning into a big fat chicken that was sitting on the front row and doing nothing with it. And then the Lord said, I'm not having him stand there to feed you. I'm having him stand there to equip you so that you can then go out and build. He is just a person that equips you, that covers you with the armor, that gives you hammer and nails so that you can then go out and build walls of safety. And I thought, oh, oh. So here I come, you know, all the way up to Kentucky. And, and all of a sudden, I start seeing, like, it's not just East Tennessee. It's not just Western North Carolina. It's Eastern Kentucky. It is West Virginia. It's Southwest Virginia. It's Southern Ohio. It's Northern Georgia. All of these communities have very little when it comes to resources that provide walls of safety around women, children, men, I only work with women and kids of Appalachia, but mainly women who are justice involved, meaning that they've gotten involved with the justice and the justice one. And so um, I kind of came up here and I didn't really know, like I really didn't know a whole lot. I just knew what the Lord had put inside of me was this incredible deep passion for the people that looked like me, sounded like me, but it had somebody's daddy and his buddies do bad things to them and now they're on drugs or whatever whatever the situation they can't get out and they're stuck and the enemy is just walking all over them and I'm going all right five states seven states we can do that that's no problem I'll come up here I'll talk to pastor Colliers and it, it'll all, we'll all work together and it'll be awesome 
And so that, that dream is still my dream today. But where have we kind of come through all that? So we kind of came up here, talked, 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 told y'all, y'all started supporting us as missionaries, and we, you've been so incredibly faithful, and I just can't get over, that inspires me, how faithful you are to people that you support. And I can't get over how y'all, especially them too, and I, I know Albie and Dusty, I don't know a lot of y'all, I'm sorry, I would like to, but like I know them, and I've watched them over the years be incredibly faithful to the community that they're in. And how they serve. It's like, you know, we were talking about Janice Fulkerson, how she loved her community for 40 years. Well, they do that here. How do they serve? And I, you can't walk into a place that people don't know them and know, know them. Not like there's somebody, but like there's somebody's just like them. And that ministers to me in such a powerful way. So I go home and for however many years now, I've just kind of served and served and tried to build the, the bones and the structure of this dream center, which serves the Appalachian community, the women and kids of Appalachia. And it's a lot kind of like what Dusty does in that we're just trying to put some sort of resources in place that can serve them and point them towards Jesus. So we get back and after about two years in 2019, we were able to purchase 95 acres completely debt-free because you guys support and do it so faithfully. The church purchased a farm, and it is beautiful, and it is lovely. And then we put in water and septic and roads and electric because it hadn't been touched in a million years, and it was beautiful. And so God paid for all that, paid for it all debt-free. And then all these little churches started coming and helping us build this little outreach center. And once it got done, we started having women come out. And I didn't know, honestly, y'all, I didn't know what to do other than to just point them towards Jesus and just love on them. Oh, you need help with a job? Let me help you with it. Finding a job. Oh, you need help finding transitional housing? I can help you find that. 12-step program? No problem. We can, we can learn that. We can do that. And so here I am completely ill-equipped stay-at-home mom, three kids, don't really know what I'm doing. I just see the needs, and I'm trying to meet the needs, just like you do every day in this community. And But I still have in my heart that it's going to be bigger than just East Tennessee. It's going to be Western North Carolina. It's going to be Eastern Kentucky. And we're going to serve as a resource as y'all go out and you start ministering to your community and you say, we need a place to put them for transitional housing. We can serve it as partners with you and we want to do that and we want to have you down and we want to come up or maybe we have somebody that needs a new community to live in but they're Appalachian and you know we're not like the big cities we need an Appalachian community that we understand but they need a new start maybe we send them to Vanceburg and they they join your church and then you become their support system that disciples them and loves them. And, and that's how we're working together shoulder to shoulder to build walls of safety around women and children in Appalachia. Because Jesus loves the women and children of Appalachia. So in all that I say, you know, after three more years of just fighting and building and learning and growing and fighting and building and learning and growing, 
This past week, we got, finally, we got our state license from the state of Tennessee to be a non-residential drug and alcohol treatment facility. I didn't even know that existed the last time I was here. I didn't know that was a thing. Um, but the Lord has led and guided, and we just keep taking a bite out of the elephant every day, every week, every month, and we keep building and growing because there's little girls that are still sitting there going, where is Jesus? Where is Jesus when this is happening to me? And we know that they're there, and God is making a way, and he's providing provision for them the same as he did for me 2,000 years ago on the cross, right? So we're, we're just following in his footsteps, making provision for them that they don't even know they're going to need yet. Um, but as I'm reading through Ecclesiastes, I think what the Lord really wanted from me was to share, maybe I'm just preaching, I'll just preach to myself a little bit this morning. Um, in doing that, I don't know if Dusty can like attest to this, but you work with so many people and the problem is so huge. How many people are, have ever been around somebody or know somebody or has been impacted by drugs and alcohol in any way? Right? And then something happens. Like I was working with this one girl, and I loved her so much. And I saw her making strides, and I saw her getting clean. And then all of a sudden her parole got denied, and her children got taken away, and she got hopeless, and she ended her life in the jail, and it broke me, and I thought, God, I don't get it. There's so much sadness. There's so much death. There's so much pain. There's so much that I can't, I can't seem to penetrate, and, and, then, and then here comes the next group, and they're all in the same issues and the same sin and the same problems, and some of them get it, and some of them don't, and here's even more of them, and then I drive yesterday for six hours through community after community after community, and it feels so big, and the problem feels so enormous, and I feel so small. You start to feel so incredibly small and like you're not doing enough. And I wish I could come up here and be like, woo, we've got a million people who are all serving Jesus and there's no more drug problems in Appalachia. And I just almost kind of get like hard to it, you know. Oh, here comes another addict. or And, and you're working really hard and you start to feel like him, like God I'm starting to get old, and it's starting to get hard now, and I'm still fighting the same battles and the same stupid devil, and it just feels so hard, and, and the sun rises and the sun sets, and there's another addict, and the sun rises and the sun sets, and someone else commits suicide, and the sun rises and the sun sets, and and there are all these children who are being abused, and the sun rises and the sun sets, and the sun rises and the sun sets, and no one's going to remember what I've done. No one even cares, you know. What difference does it make? It's not making any difference. It feels so meaningless. And so I'm going to start preaching to myself because the Lord told me this week that the word he wanted for me is remember, remember. Remember, remember, Emily. Remember why you're doing this. Remember the creator that you're doing this for. Remember 
my heart for them. Remember how much I love them. Remember what I'm capable of. If you start to remember him as the creator, if you start to remember him as the one and all that he's able to do, that he's able, when, when, it, <laughs> when he sang the verse about Goliath, oh my gosh, that's, that's like, I always feel like a little David that runs against a Goliath, and it's a giant Goliath of meth and, and a giant Goliath of fentanyl and a giant, and I'm just standing there with five stones, and I'm always like, woo, yeah, let's get them. But lately I felt a whole lot like Solomon that's like, Lord, you know, I'm going to come and go and there's just going to be more. There's just going to be more and more and more drugs. And he goes, but remember, remember me. Remember me. Remember I am their creator. Remember how much I love them. Remember what I did for them. Remember how valuable they are to me. Remember, shake all of your perspective off of the things that are changing, like, oh, there's a new drug, and oh, there's more people dying, and oh, there's this, that, and the other, and shift your perspective back onto your creator. Remember me. Remember my heart of compassion for them. Remember how much I love them. Remember, remember that this is not stopping, and I still need wall builders. I still need people who will get up and go to work every day, even if it seems like you're just doing the same thing day in and day out, earning a paycheck. What difference does it make? It's going to be taken by the government and the grocery store anyways. Remember why you're doing it. You're not doing it just to earn a paycheck. You're doing it to impact the kingdom of God and bring it on earth as it is in heaven. That's why you go to work every day. That's why you get up and you go to the clerk court office. It may feel like it's overwhelming and it's stupid and you're not making any difference and it's the same problems and you just get loaded down with what difference does it make? It makes a difference when you keep your perspective on Jesus Christ. It makes a difference when he is the one that you're doing it for. That's how it makes a difference. My perspective has to stop being about, well, okay, I put out this fire and I do this and I put dish, you know, dinner on the table and do we have groceries and have I done this and have I done that and oh, how am I going to do it with this one's got pink eye and that one's got to work tonight Take my eyes off all the this, that, and the other and put it back on him and build in his kingdom. I don't have a whole lot of time before we're all old folks, but even when we're old folks, we have to keep our eyes on the fact that we're doing it every breath that we have until he takes us home. We have to keep focused on building the kingdom of God because he's our creator and that's what he created us to do. Remember, not just him, but remember his words and his commandments. What has he commanded us to do? I think it says, God will judge us for everything we do, including every secret thing, whether good or bad. What you're doing, it does matter. It's not meaningless. But what you do for eternity is what will stick. 
right? So yeah, we got to go to work. We got to put food on the table for our kids. But when we do it with God in mind and God is our perspective, then everything else, it becomes eternal value. It becomes the, the food I'm putting on the table. All of a sudden there's eternal value to it because I'm doing it in a way that builds my children up in the statutes of Jesus Christ my co-workers up in the statues of Jesus Christ. It's something silly like driving a truck, right, you know, to a meeting, and you've got somebody in the car with you. When you've got the eternal perspective, all of a sudden that becomes a church, and that person is coming to church and meeting Jesus in that truck. Or at that office, all of a sudden you start to see people through the eyes of Jesus, and you start to have his perspective, and then they're not just people in an office doing some paperwork. There become souls who are lost and need Jesus, and you are using every opportunity to point them to him. Then it's eternal perspective. And then the deeds that we do matter. Remember everything that God has done for us. So I have to sit and remember. I have to sit back and think, Lord, what have you done for me, what have you done over the years? And and coming up here has really helped me because in five years, it feels like some days I don't do very much. And it feels like when I talk to Dusty, I've got so far to go that it's just overwhelming and mind-boggling. But every day, that steady plotting, every day, every day, and then remembering that this is what Jesus has done and what he's promised to do. And I'm on this journey with him. If you think about the Israelites, they're walking through the wilderness. They're kind of at that last little piece where Joshua is about to lead them over into the promised land. And they come to the, the Red Sea again. And the ark walks through. And the waters part. And everybody's walking through. And then the Lord tells Joshua to go and get stones out of the, like from right where the priest's feet are and carry them back out and set up a memorial. Why did he do that? Because he knew they were going to get to the place where they're like, why are we doing this? Or what is the point of all this? Or, or why? And they need something physically to remind them that God took them on a journey. He did everything for them. And don't forget it. Don't ever forget what Jesus has done. Don't ever forget, Emily, that Jesus bought a 95-acre farm for these women debt-free. Don't ever forget, Emily, that Jesus brought them and he's given you a license miraculously to someone who didn't even know it existed and did it in such a way that these women can now come legally through the courts out to this farm to hear about Jesus. He did that. So take those little reminders and pile them up so that when it gets tough and you forget why you do what you do, you can literally see why you do what you do. God's in it. God's doing it. God's making it happen. Don't forget it. Don't forget who did it. I don't ever want to get up here and be like, look what we did as a church. We're amazing. We didn't do this. God did this. You guys were faithful with what God gave you, but he gave you what he gave you, and then you just were good stewards with it, right? We didn't do anything to deserve the paychecks to give to the missionaries. We're not fancy pants, we know it all. So we, we are not. We're never going to get too big for our britches if we remind ourselves that it's God that did it all along. <laughs> the property that you guys, guys, that's not from you. That's from the Lord. 
You didn't do anything fancy enough. You're not good enough. None of us are. But God has a purpose. God has a direction. He wants you there. He gave it to you. So you put a reminder there so that when it gets tough, you know why you're doing what you're doing. Because God's in it. And when God's in it, you want to be in it too. And so you just remind yourself. Just get you a little, not a stone or whatever it takes, to just remember Jesus and what he did and how much he loves these people. Um, remember that God will judge us and that we have to give an account for everything we do. Last chapter of Revelations, right? We have to give an account of everything we do, right? So why is it that we forget so easy? Because our present circumstances scream so much loud, louder than this over here, than our reminders. Well, this is, this, is, this is new. This has never happened to me before. But God's like, yeah, it has happened a lot of times. Like during this whole journey, um, I was diagnosed with MS. Yay, super fun. So I was like, well, Lord, are you just not wanting me to do this anymore? Lord, are you wanting me to stop? Lord, are you, you, know, are you wanting somebody smarter, wiser, stronger, more capable, more able? And he was like, Emily do you think you're the only person in the world who's ever had MS? And I'm like, well, I'm, it's, the, it's a new one for me. He's like, but it's not new to me. And I'm like, oh, nothing is new under the sun. But to me, it, it feels so new. And I sit and listen to my feelings on it instead of switching my perspective to my creator who says, it's not new to me, and I got this. Just focus on me, and I've got this. And I'm like, oh, okay, so stop focusing on my present circumstances. Um, two, we forget because we don't have any reminders. We don't remind ourselves. We don't have any kind of, of things set up. It's not fresh on our minds. Our memory gets spotty. I remember Britt told me, we were talking in the car the other day, and he goes, and I was talking, we were talking about dating with our oldest son. And uh, he's like, oh, remember that time that you dated a rodeo clown? And I was like, no, I'd, I would remember dating a rodeo clown. I dated a mortician, but I never dated a rodeo clown. He's like, no, I really, you did. And I'm like, no, that one would stick out. I feel like if I went to a rodeo and I was like, that's my boyfriend down there and, and big wig and red nose, like I would remember that. No memory of it. I don't think it happened. But, like, our memories get spotty. That's why we have to set up reminders. Why do we all walk around with our phones taking pictures of everything? Because we want to remember, and then we don't look at the pictures, right? But we need those, those reminders. We have a lack of patience. We want things done now. I wanted six years ago to come in here and y'all write me a check for $7 million and to be done. And it didn't happen. I was like, okay, it's fine. Seven years later, I still don't have that money. Um, but God is doing something different that I don't even understand. He's working in me and in you and in all. If he had given me $7 million when, if you wrote me that check, which I'm not saying. Don't, don't worry. <laughs> don't worry. Okay. Well, I'm just saying when you do, when you do, <laughs> when you write me that check. Um, like, I think it would have probably ruined me at that point in time because I wasn't ready for it. I wouldn't have known how to dealt with it, you know. And so God knew that. And in his goodness and in his kindness, he was working something deeper in me and in you. 
And sometimes the things that we want so badly, like a king, you know, they wanted a king, they wanted a king, they wanted a king. I keep telling them I want $7 million, $7 million. And, and he's like, in my goodness, I'm, I'm doing it a different way. Keep your eyes on your creator. Focus on me. Remember me. This is my job. This is my kingdom that I'm building. And I'll do it the way I want. And I'm like, okay. So that comes from the fact that sometimes we know about him, but we are not really knowing him. It's hard to, it's easy to forget when we don't really know him. We know about him, but we don't know him. Do you trust somebody you don't know? Please be honest. No. I'm not going to hand my pocketbook to somebody I don't know and be like, hey, can you watch this for a minute for me? I do that to people that I know and trust. They're probably still going to go through my pocketbook because it's amazing, but (laughs) just kidding. They don't. Um, And then another reason that we forget is because our older generations aren't telling our newer generations. We're not telling them. The Bible repeatedly in the Old Testament, it said, pass this down to your young people. Tell them this story. David, all the Psalms, he's retelling the story of Exodus. He's retelling the story of them walking through the desert of the promised land. He's retelling the story. And he's saying, tell it to your kids. Tell it to your kids. Tell it to your kids. And in public school, are they getting those stories? I promise you they're not. They don't know. They don't know him. So are they going to trust him? No, and just like you see David, he's doing these awesome things, and he makes a mistake with a woman, right? Kind of makes a pretty big mistake with a woman. And then here comes Solomon, and what does he do? He makes it even bigger. He's like, one woman, how about a thousand women? (laughs) You know, and you're like, you'd think that David would have told this story to Solomon and been like, you know what, bud? Watch the ladies. They'll get you. And we will. I'm just kidding. No, we won't. I'm just kidding. We won't. We're not all like that. Just that. Anyways. So pressing on, you've got to have the, the, the parents and the older generations have, even if, if they look at you and they roll their eyes and they think what you're saying is irrelevant, start spending time with them. Become a person that they know, trust, love, and will listen to. Don't just be like spouting off at them and be like, well, you don't need to be smoking those cigarettes. Them cigarettes is bad for you. Get to know them. Spend time with them. Tell them, you know what? I used to have a thing like cigarettes that I used to go to all the time, and it was ruining me. There's a way to do it. You have to put in deposits for a long time into the bank before you can make a big withdrawal like that. And you have to do that with kids, too. If I spend time with them and time with them and time with them and time with them, then when they start smoking cigarettes or whatever it is, whatever the thing is, then I can talk to them and I can, I can make that kind of withdrawal and they'll listen. Do you see the difference? I'm not just hollering at them or showing how smart I am to them. I'm loving them, loving them, loving them. And when they know how much you love them, it's the same with Christ. The goodness and the kindness and the love of Christ is what draws us to repentance. Why would it be any different for them? Right? So the Lord is like, I want you to never forget. So how do we remember? John 14, 26, the Holy Spirit helps us remember what he told and commanded us. 
We pass down our information from one generation to the next, Psalm 78, 5 and 8. We set up memorials like in Joshua 4, and we make keeping times and ceremonies to remember important to us. Why is it that we do communion? What does the Bible say? Do this. I mean, y'all, we all went to this church that said, do this in remembrance of me. Out in the front, do you remember those altars that all said, do this in remembrance of me? Why? Why? Why is that so important? For all the reasons we've talked about, but for me today, if I remember what Jesus did for me, then when I walk out and I see the ones that are just tracked up and strung out and nodding off and slumping over and abusing their kids, all of a sudden I remember what he did for me. And I know what he did for them. And then it matters again. And then it's not meaningless. It's not a chasing after the wind. It's not smoke and mirrors or just a job, just something that you do day in and day out to put food on the table. It matters because I remember what Jesus did for me. I remember how they spit in his face. I remember how they ripped his beard out. I remember how they put stripes on his back. I remember how he hung there in agonizing pain. I remember how he lost all his friends. I remember how everybody called him everything but a Jewish man. I remember. I remember. And then what I'm going through is nothing compared to what he went through for me. And then it matters. Then it matters. Because what he did mattered for every generation. And as long as I breathe until I'm old and gray and my bones give out and my eyelids droop or whatever it is that he says, it matters because I remember my creator hanging on a cross for me. And I remember how much he loves them too. And so I get to go home today inspired by watching them serve this community. I get to go home today inspired because they are serving their community well. But Jesus wants us to think bigger than just our community because I'm going to drive through six hours of communities that are just like this one. But they don't have Pastor Colliers. They don't. They don't have nothing. And when the Janice Fulkersons die, communities are left with nobody who remembers. So we have to be those people who aren't just fed a bunch of seed today and then just, because there's so few of us left that remember so deeply and so passionately what our Savior did for us that we're willing to get up out of our seat and go to a community six hours from here and serve and do and give because that's what it's all about. Building walls of safety around people who, who don't even know that their walls are torn down and the devil has come in to kill and steal and destroy from them. 
I'm so grateful for you guys. But let's dream bigger than just Vanceburg, okay, for a minute. Let's dream about Portsmouth. Let's dream about Chillicothe. Let's dream about Harlan. Let's dream about all the places between here and, and Dollywood and Stone Mountain, Georgia. Let's dream about them because they need people just like me and you who will get off pews and who will chase down giants for the kingdom and the glory of God. Dream bigger because they need us to dream bigger. We do it well, but you know how to serve this community. I promise every Appalachian community, you could serve them too. Because you get them and you know them and we're, we're like them. And God needs us to be bigger somehow. So let's just join shoulder to shoulder to shoulder and get up off the pews and go tell people about the Jesus that hung on a cross for them. Right? Stay-at-home mom. If I can do it, you can do it. So we're going to end today. What, how much time do I got? Not much. What time y'all get out? I wanted to kind of give you a chance to just remember for a minute. So can we just go before the Lord? Father God, I, I just want to take us for a minute just on a walk. Would the Holy Spirit please just show up and take us on a walk, on a journey through our lives of remembering where Jesus showed up for us. I can remember, Holy Spirit, I remember this one time when I was a little bitty and I was in a church service and I felt you come in and rest on me. And I remember going to bed that night and asking you to just stay with me and not ever leave me. That I wanted to feel you and experience you like that for the rest of my life that I wanted to serve you, I remember. I remember that time when I was teeny tiny little kiddo, maybe seven, and I went to the front because a missionary came to our church and said, would you give it all to Jesus? And I went up and I kneeled at the altar and I held my little tiny hands up towards heaven. And I said, I don't have anything to give you, Jesus, but two tiny hands you can have and you can have my whole life and here you are reminding me of that today you have my whole life spend it however you want I remember being in Sunday school class and them asking me if I wanted to raise my hand to ask Jesus into my heart I don't remember the man's face. All I can remember is khaki pants. But that big, tall giant of a man helped me give all my sins to Jesus. And I remember them being rolled off of me in the joy that flooded my heart. And how I could float to the car afterwards because Jesus took my sins away. I remember the day that you filled me with the Holy Spirit and you gave me a burden for the broken and you let me feel your broken heart for those who are lost. I remember. I can't ever forget. I remember the 12-year-old girl 
that said, where was Jesus? And I remember how you answered me. That you were in me. And it was my turn to build walls of safety around her. And so many just like her. I remember coming to Vanceburg for the first time and telling them about a crazy dream for a farm. And I remember in 2019, you gave me the deed, debt free, from a man who had long since died, whose last name was Bible. I remember all the donations that you've given over the years. I remember the very first one was $7. I told you I needed $7 million and you gave me 7 And you gave thanks and you broke it and you've used it to buy a farm. I remember you, my creator. I remember you and I see you all the way through my journey. And I pray that Holy Spirit as they walk through the journey of their life. There's good moments. There's bad moments. But if they live for you, you redeem every moment for the glory of God. Help us to remember that when we get up and we go and we do the same thing and the sun rises and the sun sets. But it's different this time because we remember our creator and that we're here for a purpose and that we're here to serve him and love him and to to every deed that we do for him. Now, God, use them. Use them. Let them set up a reminder in their home, in their life today, that they are called and have a purpose. I hear you some of you saying, but not me. And that's a lie. That's the enemy speaking. You do have a purpose. You wouldn't be here if you did not. So don't listen to the enemy. You may not see it or know it, but if you keep your eyes fixed on your creator, you will. take a moment do we have things for do we have things for communion pastor I don't know if we do or not but we're gonna we're gonna give him a minute to kind of look over that but here's what we're gonna do I'm gonna flip in my Bible to 1 Corinthians communion stuff I'm going to read to you that when you meet 
together. Some of you are in a hurry. We're not going to do that today. We're not going to sit here and think about how hungry we are and that we're handing out snacks. It's not what this is about. We have our own homes for eating and drinking. Here's what we're doing it. For I pass on to you what I received from the Lord himself. On the night when Jesus, when my Jesus was betrayed, the Lord took some bread and he gave thanks to God for it. And then he broke it into pieces and said, This is my body, which is given for you. Do this to remember me. And I want you to take out the bread as you get it. And I want you to remember Jesus. In this moment, this isn't about us anymore. It's about Jesus is about Jesus and remembering him. He had just been betrayed. I've betrayed him. I have betrayed him. And God, for those moments where I've betrayed you, I am so sorry. But I want to focus my eyes on Jesus in this moment. On Jesus, the author and perfecter of faith. On Jesus, the healer. On Jesus, the compassionate. On Jesus, the gentle and lowly. On Jesus, the risen King. On Jesus Christ, my Savior. On Jesus. On Jesus. Fix your eyes on Jesus. what it's all about people this Bible was not written as the good news about Emily and the Dream Center it was written as the good news of Jesus Christ and his salvation plan for the world Jesus we place our eyes on you Jesus we place our eyes on you Jesus thank you Jesus Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. All to Jesus. All to Jesus. All to Jesus. that is broken that was broken for, for me and you let's do this in remembrance of him let's break the bread thank you Jesus
same way Jesus, our Savior, took the cup of wine after supper and said, this is the new covenant. Do you understand how powerful that was to people who had lived under the old covenant? This is the new covenant between God and people, between God and us. An agreement confirmed with his blood. Do this to remember me as often as you drink it. For every time you eat this bread and drink this cup, you are announcing the Lord's death until he comes again. Jesus, thank you for the blood of Jesus and the new covenant that we get to be in with God Almighty because of it. We will do this in remembrance of you. Father God, until you do come again, help us to remember every day that we get up. Help us to remember. Help us to set reminders. Help us to put it on our phone to remind us that we are here to declare the good news of Jesus Christ everywhere we go. We are not here to just sit like fat hens on the front row of church, but we are here to go out and proclaim that Jesus is setting the captive free. And Lord, you've empowered us and emboldened us, and I pray that in the name of Jesus that they will remember that they are called anointed, appointed to bring the good news of Jesus on every mountaintop and in every valley and every holler between here and heaven. In Jesus' name, in Jesus' name, and for your glory, we say as a body of believers, amen. I want you to sing a little bit of that song there before we're dismissed and just just to think about he's the same God and for Emily and, and the Housers and all they're doing down in, in Tennessee and God's providing he's given them approval through the government to do things that is
somebody in this room that needs him now. Bigger than your giants. The one that can settle the disputes. Won't you just lift your hands and just thank him for all he's done and walk down that memories lane that you're speaking about that from the time you was in a Sunday school class maybe as a young kid that he spoke to you and he ministered to you and met you there. Not everybody has that luxury. Not everybody's had that pleasure. The young girl that's 12 years old that had been abused by her father and said, where was he? Where was Jesus when I needed him? He met her when she was 12 through Emily Hauser. That's where he was. He is in is working through you. He is doing great and mighty things, church. And the bridge needs him. sin more than we do remembrance of his salvation I just feel that right now that there's too many in this place you remember too much about your sin when you need to remember your salvation so just come out if you will just step out come down nobody's going to think odd or ill of anybody here just come out and come down and kneel at this altar and, and just in repentance saying I'm forgetting my sin and I'm remembering his salvation
and kneel down right there by your recliner. It doesn't have to be anything fancy. Just kneel down and pray. Say, God, help me to forgive my sin and help me to walk in your forgiveness. Help me to abide in your presence. Be the rock of ages that passes down from generation to generation. God, I pray for the people that is committing themselves to you, that's giving it all to you, forgetting those things that are behind and I press towards the mark of the high calling of Christ Jesus. Let's move forward. Let's do what you've called us to do. God, I thank you for setting people free at this altar this morning. God, that they're tu you're touching them through ministering to them through the Holy Spirit. And God, as they're abandoning the old way, you said that all things are passed away and behold, all things would become new. and our community needs needs what you are getting right now and Raymond Bolander is my friend and he faithfully attends up at Garrison Baptist Church and he, he stands and he leads in song and he's facing a giant right now My God, I need you. Raymond needs him. Those little babies need Jesus. 
And I want us to pray. I want us to pray for Raymond and the whole entire Bolander family. For those that's hurting today. That suffered loss that should not be. And the little babies. we need you if you would just just stretch forth your hand and let's just pray for the Bolander family today God they need you like never before and some of them know you as their savior and some of them don't they're hurting they're wounded heard from that's kin just there yesterday I heard lips words come off their lips that the enemy come to steal kill and destroy and they need you like never before Jesus show up show up through us be there through us use us minister through us Jesus, be the peace that calms the storm just by a spoken word. Peace, be still. Jesus, I'm calling those words to be true in this community. Peace, be still. Because Jesus, when you speak those words, the enemy has to cease. The storms has to fade away. And a calm comes. God, I pray that a holy reverence will take over our community. A reverence of you. That we would understand and see you working miracles through tragedy that you would set the captive free just as you always have God we pray for Raymond and the entire Bolander family be with them give them peace that passes understanding not just words but true inner peace a calm a presence that is there that takes the weight off their shoulders. Give them an understanding and a calm. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. God, we pray over the housers. Lord, we thank you so much for them coming up here. And God, I thank you for so much. Forgive them traveling mercies as they came to us. God, I pray as they travel back today and they look through these Appalachian hills, and God, for the burden that you've placed on their heart, a calling that you've placed there, God. Let their prayers be heard through those hollers and those hills. Let them rise up from these mountains, oh God, that sets the captive free. God, I pray for those that are addicted to drugs. 
that the enemy will lose his grip in the name of Jesus. That they would be set free by what you did on the cross. Jesus, for those that are hurting, that are being abused, God, I pray a deliverance come over your people. Jesus, that you would show up through the churches, that we would stop being the fat hens on the front pew. And that's me, Jesus. Too often I don't do what you ask me to do. Help us to be the church for the hurting, the broken, the rejected, the despised, those shamed. Work through us, Jesus. Let us lose our own agendas. And let us be about your business. Let us do what you've called us to do. That we will be the bridge between the addict and heaven. We would be the bridge between the broken and their Savior. Help us to do what you've called us to do. We surrender ourselves to you. Not in part, but in whole. In Jesus' name. Bless the housers as they go. God, build a great and mighty ministry through those acres, God. Transform it. Bring teams. God, I pray for resources to come. She don't need $7 million. She needs 7 million soldiers. And God, I pray that you would bring every resource that they need. God, that it would transition people's lives and it would transform their lives. God, let it be used for your glory. Perseverance, mercy, grace running rampant through those hills, God. On that property, let every stream be living water that flows from heaven that allows people to have a solitude and a reverence and a place of surrender. I thank you that Emily has allowed the hurting to come, the broken to come. She does not turn them away. But she's the big mama hen that just wraps her wings of protection around them and builds walls to sit some things straight. The crooked places made straight. He's just saying, stop worrying and start believing. Stop doubting and start walking. Stop waiting and start building. He's going to do it. He's telling you, remember me and do all these things that he just told you through your own sermon. So that you'll walk back on those 95 acres with a renewed spirit. A tenacity to say, enemy, you're done here. These mountains deserve better. 
and Jesus died for them. He rose from the dead for them and their will be set free because he said so. Faith believing. In Jesus' name, I declare all those things to be true. And we love you and we cherish you. And the bridge is a beautiful place because of the people sitting in the pews. And I am pastors. I'm thankful for you that we are able to be faithful to our missionaries. As she says, the missionaries all come here and they go to these churches and the churches say, we'll promise you $50 a month. And a lot of times they don't get it. Churches make promises in the midst of emotion. But I don't operate off of emotion. I'm blessed and highly favored. This church is blessed and highly favored. You know why the bridge has always been successful and faithful in giving to our missionaries? Because God is the one doing the giving. Through you, through me, through my father-in-law, through my mother-in-law, they give sacrificially every month. I, I love you, Karen and Ernie, because every month they don't figure out if they got enough to get through the month. They walk in here to burst the month, and you guys that do the offering know it. They throw it down in that bucket. And they say, I'm giving for the missionaries. Why? Because God works through them. And I'm glad I got in-laws instead of outlaws. Amen. I love my in-laws. I love my family. I love my church family as a whole. You guys are awesome. We love you. Make sure to give Emily and them a big hug uh, before they go. And they travel on their journeys. The church will bless them before they go to us with money as well. But um, you're dismissed. Love God, love people. Find something to do this week.